This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of August 3rd, 2019. Molson Coors CEO steps down and anoints his successor, Gavin Hattersley, first of his name. Mahoy, you don't have to drink and drive anymore for your wine tours. Take to the sea. Bailey's makes new cold brew coffee. Unfortunately, it's not Irish. And sloths make beer now. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we talk about the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser, And I'm Christopher Walker. And let's start with a Molson Coors story. So uh, CEO Mark Hunter is retiring and he will be leaving the uh, that position to Gavin Hattersley. Uh, honestly, they kind of look like the same person. Um, <laughs> old white guy replaced by old white guy. Same receding hairline and everything. Uh, Molson Coors announced... What's, what's uh, that mean, Brittany? <laughs> Well, see, they've they've tried to do the Patrick Stewart, whereas you're just like, nah, let's just do this. So they've they've tried to let it gracefully go back into the hair crown, and it hasn't worked out. It does not work out for everyone, kids. And you just went right. with the scorched earth. <laughs> Look, one of one of my uh, one of my grooming heroes is Tecumseh Sherman. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so. Um... Excuse me. Uh, this is going to happen, the uh, retiring part, uh, effective September 27th. So uh, Gavin Hattersley is the longtime CEO of Molson Coors U.S. business unit. Uh, Miller Coors, which I didn't think about that being the U.S. business unit, but I guess that makes mm-hmm. sense, um, yep. uh, will supplant Hunter as president and CEO effective September 28th. So literally the next day. Uh, Hunter, who has served as Molson Coors president and CEO since 2015, told the company's board of directors that he is retiring to spend more time with his family after a three-decade career in the beer business. Uh, Fun fact, family already grown, doesn't want to talk to him. <laughs> Probably. Uh, quote, it's been a great privilege to serve as Molson Coors president and CEO, but I'm very much looking forward to the next chapter, which will be highlighted by spending more time with my wife, Fiona, and our two children back in the UK. Uh, and he is 56 years old, they wanted to point out. Uh, Molson Corps board chairman Andrew Molson said Hunter's retirement and Hattersley's promotion are part of the company's succession plan. Um, well, I just had this brief that. moment where I went, "Wow, his last name's the same as the company." Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of did the same thing in my head. Uh, <laughs> Hunter is uh, credited with playing a key role in the merger of Molson and Coors in 2005. The integration of Miller Coors into Molson Coors in 2016 after acquiring a 58% stake in the company from Saab Miller and the company's international M&A. Hattersley has led Miller Coors for the last four years, previously serving as its CFO. Molson, in the release, called Hattersley a skilled leader who understands what is required to drive shareholder value and build. Um, so let's, let's point out that... Uh... Hunter has uh, uh, led the company getting the Miller part more or less back during the 
Saab Miller buyout yeah. from uh, AB InBev. Yes. So he saw that money just sitting on the table and went, yeah, okay. You can't have that anyway. Fed's not going to let you have it. He was basically there for all the big, big key moments, I guess. At, at least of the last, you know, 10 years or so. Yeah. 10, 20 years. So, uh, not bad. And kind of big shoes to feel, to, to fill for the other guy, honestly. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it's also him stepping out, and uh, you see, oh, through the first half of 2019, Molson Coors revenue is down 3%, yep. nearly $5.3 billion True. in early trading. Molson Coors stock is down more than 8%. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that, that's usually uh, when stockholders start. That's, this is a good point. Start spending more time with their family. Mm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I always imagine the phrase spend more time with my family is never an intentional choice. It's always, all right, well, I've been kicked out. I guess I'm going to lounge around the house in my underoos. It's going to be like, uh, I always picture them like the David Letterman thing. He's like, they don't want me there. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Can't retire. Uh, but yeah, um, still big, big stuff. Um, also, Hattersley sounds like one of the most British names I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. All right. Well, our next story, we've got a fun little uh, jaunt you can take. Uh, maybe maybe what the CEO can do, now that he's got this free time with his family, yes. is get on a boat. Yes. Uh, Princess Cruises is offering a wine country cruise. Uh, by this point, we're all familiar with the Napa Valley wine train, which I think we've internally kicked around like... A dozen times to talk about on here on the news show, but never actually to. Never seemed a perennial runner-up for for news topics. Yeah, it, it's just although always I can't bubbling. partially it's because I can't hear a wine train without you know uh, hearing that song from the the nineties. You know, oh my god, come ride the train, ride in. I don't know the words. Just know, just well, know there's a train. How about water travel and wine? Who knew such a glorious combination existed? Princess Cruises has proved everyone wrong uh, because in all of the forthcoming National White Wine Day and National Red Wine Day, the cruise is celebrating uh, in the most extravagant fashion by curating a wine tour on the seas. So if you have, if there's a day halfway between National White Wine and National Red Wine Day, is it National Rosé Day? <laughs> yes. It's Why not- doesn't that exist by now? <laughs> National that's such a thing. National Soccer Mom Day, pretty much. Isn't that mm-hmm. what that is? It's, that's National Soccer Mom Week. <laughs> For the month of August, you can honor the magical existence of Vino from... <laughs> God. And, and, uh, why? For... Pinot Gris. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it's like from Pinot Gris to Shardy to Merlot. I know, just like... Oh, God, Merlot. Ah. <laughs> uh... By hopping on a luxurious luxurious trip where you can sip and sail along the Pacific coast. What's more is they'll be stopping in cities like Santa Barbara, San Francisco, and Monterey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. no, no, no. Someone, someone else has to read that. I refuse to read. It's in parentheses. We can just skip it. You can also get to Seattle, where you can gaze at the gorgeousness of the sea and stomp on some of the most renowned wineries in the area. 
bougie, big See? little lies lady. See, that's how you just skip it. You don't even acknowledge that sentence is there. He can't not. <laughs> that's I, what parentheses are for. I can't not sigh heavily at that. Oh, yeah, uh, so uh, apparently a delish, they're down. They're totally on board for this cruise. If you're not exactly a wine connoisseur, this is the perfect opportunity to stack up on some knowledge straight from professionals who will be able to explain all the nitty-gritty details about wine that isn't just the fact that it's made of fermented grapes. So here's what I want to do. I want to go on one of these tours as me. And just be completely unsatisfied with everything they give me wine-wise. How about one of these? No. Well, how about this? No. You guys got a beer? No, we have wine. No. You can put wine in beer. (laughs) They won't won't think about that. They're just going to keep pouring me bottles of wine, glasses of wine. I'm going to be like, no. Have you met Sam Calgione? (laughs) Not yet. No, I haven't. So feels I'm sure it will feel so good. I knew it. I knew you couldn't resist. But I just keep getting the was it Danny Boyle, the Scottish comedian, when he was talking about going to a wine tasting. He's, they were talking about it. Oh, I get hints of nutmeg and blah 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 and all this. And he's like, I taste grapes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, checked every bottle since. I was right. <laughs> Um, mm, mm. getting strong sense of grape. <laughs> well, All right. Uh, yeah, they aren't giving the price for this bad boy. Too much. You're gonna gonna go ahead and say you're spending way too much. But there's a big ad at the bottom of the page to just to cut this in for the more from food news. Uh, maple cream Oreos. Get ready what? to be looking for those. Yeah, that yes. sounds fine. Yes, we should do a special like food story once a week too. <laughs> well, you know, you can get some cream. You can get some Bailey's cream. I realized how that sounded. I was like, like, where, are we, oh? where are we going with this one? Can you now? <laughs> you can get some Bailey's cream. has some Irish cream. Oh. No, keep going, Bob. They're, they're non-alcoholic <laughs> coffee. Let's Look, just, we're, we're just gonna go. I want to lay it out there. Nobody wants Irish porn. Nobody wants to see <laughs> pasty, scrawny white men in their porn. Uh, uh, so the <laughs> the classic Bailey's Irish cream and coffee combo that we all know and love. Well, it's now packaged in a convenient little can for on-the-go caffeinating. Uh, Well, uh, according to social media's uh, favorite snack source at Candy Hunting, it's not not a place I go to, uh, Mm -hmm. the brand has unveiled its epic new cold brew coffee line in two flavors, uh, considering my morning Starbucks were canceled, or in my case, non-existent. Uh, The the 11-ounce cans are currently available in stores, and there's already uh, been a spotting at a mire. Uh, and on Amazon, they come in Irish cream and salted caramel flavors. Uh, oh, and they're made with 100% uh, uh, Arabic coffee. Mm. Full disclosure, I have no uh, no clue what that meant. A quick Google search uh, search revealed it as the most valuable species of coffee plant. Uh, That's quite good. From the person who wrote this article on Delish. Uh, it's like, they, they say that that sounds pretty good to them. And I was like, I would counter 
price does not always dictate quality. Fact. Anyway, Instagram is pretty hyped over the launch. Uh, someone saying, yes, with two S's. I'm a big fan of Bailey's and excited to try it. Smiley face with the tongue out. So this is actually, I think, uh, I'm waiting to hear about distro on them. This might be filling the niche that uh, Pabst cold brew, hard cold brew oh, yeah. uh, is not filling because that stuff is so limited. Like its distro footprint is super small. Someone in our area... Uh, if they're a listener, they could just get a hold of me to get us some. But someone got a hold of an entire pallet of it <laughs> from up in the Northeast and brought it down, as in, and they're selling it all on the secondhand market to people in the mm-hmm. Midwest because it's not available in the Midwest, and people are going nuts for this stuff. It's it's basically right, this- becoming the new White Claw on social media. Like Everyone's just going nuts for it. Right, but this is non-alcoholic. Oh, well, screw that then. The past yeah. stuff is alcoholic. That, that's what we all right. want. So it's a shocker coming from uh, from Bailey's, the liqueur brand, but they're just trying to provide some variety here. Some people don't drink. Uh, others want the caffeine kick to uh, for work. You know, booze is sort of frowned upon in an office setting. Savages. The can says Bailey's. Everyone's going to assume there's alcohol in it anyway. Just above Bailey's, there is, in admittedly smaller text, non-alcoholic no point like get this no no I, I don't want anything to do with this you mean i've got to buy the little can and then i gotta add my own shot of whiskey to it just no uh, those of you who do want the that extra buzz they've got a solution spike it or better yet just pick up a case of uh brands iced coffee lattes you already have uh already got a uh four percent abv so they do Make a, a uh, iced coffee latte, but still. Disappointment. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I wish I could do more for you. Well, um, you know, we could. You know who could do more for you? Who? Sloths. They always. could. They could always do more. So I just just listened to the uh, stuff you should know on sloths, and it's amazing and tragic all at the same time. You learn such tidbits as uh, baby sloths are just called baby sloths. Oh, <laughs> they don't have a... It's a, not a, like a, a pup or a kit or, you know, a joey or something. It's just called a baby sloth. Because <laughs> huh. their adorableness speaks for itself. Well, also, a fun fact about baby sloths, if they happen to fall off the mom while she's hanging in the tree, she will not climb down to rescue it. She will let it die. <gasps> She would leave it abandoned to starve to death or be eaten by a predator. Oh, my gosh. Because it's too dangerous for her to try and climb down. That's horrible. I was going to start saying baby sloth do, do, do. <laughs> now it's just but tragic. But now, now it's just tragic. <laughs> also, another fun fact, sloths don't have legs. All their they appendages have... are considered arms. arms. That's kind of yeah. creepy. When they you have four it. arms. <laughs> All right, uh, brewing can be a very slow process. The steps are various and complex and require a lot of decision-making. But one beer planned at the Los Angeles Zoo and Botanical Botanical, Botanical, Botanical Gardens. Botanical. Pro- <laughs> <laughs> Getting a little hentai. Uh, took the process to a sloth's pace by actually having a sloth help out. Charlie, 
a sloth at the L.A. Zoo. Picked out ingredients for the zoo's upcoming brew at the L.A. Zoo event. Festival brings in craft beers from 40 local breweries. And for the past two years, the zoo has enlisted the help of its animals to make a signature brew. Last year was Ranger the Bear. This year, Charlie was selected as the home brewing helper. He was given a selection of ingredients from the garden on a table to choose from. They say surprisingly, uh, well, surprisingly, he swiftly chose. I want uh, what? What do you think a sloth would choose when given things from a garden? I, Thinking about I'm, what sloths eat. Flowers. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna say I'm reading the the, the article right now, so I'd, I'd have to recuse myself. Well, well, Brittany is not. I can look over and see. Uh, yes, you are correct. Roses and pear. So a nice sweet I'm just fruit saying, and roses because they they love flowers. I I will say this: that Charlie is the new brewing llama. He he is selected. Brewing supplies as a as a small child. He is a reincarnated brewer in the body now <laughs> of a young sloth. Indeed. From there, it was uh, Simsy's Pub, a Los Angeles area brew pub chain and small production winery that brought the beer to life. The resulting brew, uh, Brow, is a play <laughs> on a German beer called Lohenbrau, which translates to Lion's Brew. It's a crisp, refreshing German-style Kolsch, according to them. We're just talking about Lohenbrau now, okay? Yeah. Charlie isn't the only booze lover in the animal kingdom. Animals seem to love to sniff out alcohol wherever they can find it. In March, Animal Control rescued a skunk that got its head stuck in a Bud Light can. In June, an alligator raided a Florida woman's wine cabinet, which we talked we, about. We reported on the show, yes. That that was actually one of, if we did like a, our favorite stories from the year, that would definitely be on there. Because that one was amazing. Because it's like, she, because remember she came down and he was like actually in the wine. And he was like just like, chilling, really. Yeah. Like, mm. like, alligator! He's like, I'm drunk. <laughs> Get help. Sloth and Brown will be available at the brew at the LA Zoo event on Friday, August 2nd. So you already missed it. Uh, so, and at Simsy's Pub while supplies last. So uh, unrelated to the story, but I learned that uh, dogs and cats cannot process alcohol. Oh. Well, okay. So, so that means all the times uh, we tried to get the dog drunk. You were trying to kill the dog. Okay. That's, that's poisoning uh, him. Yeah, good job. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Apparently they, they'll die. It's poison. Like, more poison than it normally is. <laughs> it's poison anyway, but for us, it's fun poison. All right, so, yeah. Uh, yeah if, if Hopefully, with uh, a time machine, you can go to L.A. and go back in time and correct everything that's wrong with that city. <laughs> right. Well, uh, speaking that. of poison, uh, Coca-Cola and Pepsi are in the news. Wait. <laughs> hmm. Uh, they're not the poison. They are uh, the plastic is, and they are pulling out of a major plastic uh, uh, lobby. Uh, this is from CNN Business. Coca-Cola and PepsiCo, two major sellers of plastic bottles, have made a sweeping sustainability commitments. They are now stepping away from a plastics lobbying group. Both soft drink companies are trying to increase the amount of recycled plastic they use in bottles. They want to improve, improve the recycling infrastructure and ensure their packaging, their packages are recyclable. But the Plastic Industry Association has encouraged states to make uh, plastic bans illegal. 
participation in the group could tarnish Coca-Cola and Pepsi's image as the companies are working to find uh, solutions to plastic pollution, which is the real reason that they're abandoning it. Not because they want what's best for the environment, but because (laughs) it will ruin their image. Look, I don't care. Whatever way gets us to a to a less dead Earth. I was gonna say like it's it maybe column A, column B, but it's you know it's column way. B. Like <laughs> uh, the association uh, took posts that were not fully consistent with our commitments and goals. Coca Cola said in a statement last week, noting that it withdrew from the group earlier this year. Pepsi said it had joined the association to learn about innovation as it works to achieve uh, a circular economy for plastics. So they're like, look, we were only there for, for, for some learning things. Not like we we only experimented. We never, we didn't inhale. <laughs> we only uh, experimented. We, we were just there since plastics were a thing. We do not participate in the policy of, uh, advocacy work of this uh, of the association or its subsidiaries, and our membership will conclude at the end of this year. Pepsi said. Uh, Coke and Pepsi, quote, made the wrong choice of being part of a lobbying organization, says Diana Cohen, CEO of the nonprofit Plastic Pollution Coalition. Uh, the optics of membership, uh, she added, are really bad. But this is a sign that companies are understanding they cannot publicly uh, say what they want to end plastic pollution while financially supporting an association that lobbies for the continued reliance on throwaway plastics, said Greenpeace USA Oceans uh, campaign director John Hovercart. So yeah, uh, they have a little bit of information here about like the plastic pollution problem being Coca-Cola produced 3.3 million tons of plastic in 2017. It disclosed in a recent report, uh, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, uh, Pepsi did not disclose how much plastic it sells, but they are trying to figure out a way to reduce their use of virgin plastics and increase recycling. They are also exploring alternatives to plastics like aluminum that are easier to recycle, much like Pepsi bringing out its water in cans. Yeah, uh, this whole thing goes along with the, there's no promise or no like they're not saying they are getting rid of their plastic. Like that is like the plastic bottles are going to be around for our. Oh lifetime. yeah, they'll be around forever. But I think their goal is to make it <clears throat> more recyclable. It's and it's stepping stones too. Like I because we didn't was it last week? I don't know. It, recently we had that other story of um well actually we so we've had the one with the little the rings packs being different material and then like oh yeah yeah they're um biodegradable instead of yeah and then and then um actually and then the whole doing away with the ring entirely and that like little glue stuff so like we're getting there like people are you know they're, steps they're, we should have taken there. 20 years ago look the man show yeah, solved look. that problem <laughs> two decades ago with the beef jerky beer rings <laughs> i'm just saying it would have worked yeah, for no a while, would, it would, no one would have left any beer. You'd eat it. Well, look, I we would. would have had we would have had more methane problems, but oh god. Uh, but the plastic pollution would have been down. Uh, anyway, those initiative uh, initiatives have made memberships in the plastic trade group problematic. At least from a PR standpoint, the Plastics Industry Association is not a lobbying group. Some of its initiatives, like helping recycle, may overlap with those of Coke and Pepsi. Uh, and this is coming from uh, the plastics lobby saying our efforts are to put recycling sustainability at the forefront of our business, but not to ban single-use plastics because you know they got a bottom line to be, to make. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. The. Uh, but it, I don't know. I I I think it's a good step for Pepsi and Coke to to be leaving the this particular 
group. But, you know, I just, mm, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it feels like it's too little too late. But, you know. Yeah, but I feel like at least, like, yay doing something. Because <laughs> yeah. some places are just like, meh. <laughs> you know? But and hopefully this this diminishes the power somewhat of uh, of that group. Though I'm they don't tell us who is in the group because the members are are secret. Yeah. But we can make some guesses. Uh, what do you bet? Dow Chemical is somewhere in there, mm. or maybe uh, uh, what's that company? They do all those like weird cleaning ads. You know, something Johnson, a family company. Johnson, Johnson and Johnson. Johnson, a family. Company. Yeah, I thought there was another thing for like their actual business name. Oh. Oh, S.C. Johnson. S.C. Johnson. Yeah. I bet you they're probably, probably all, in there, too. That was Maybe. all due to uh, lawsuits because it's not Johnson & Johnson. It's S.C. Johnson because one of the Johnsons packed their crap up and left. Mm-hmm. Mm. And DuPont, Free Viking, points out in the chat. And we're like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I have a feeling that they're probably not hurting for cash in that group. But no. losing Pepsi and Coke is probably some, some big... I bet they had a very nervous day at the office that day. I'll say that. Yeah, for that lobbying organization, definitely. Yes. Um, well, uh, speaking, speaking of trying to save the planet. I was going to say, there's an easy, easy segue so we got on this, this. one. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, want to fight climate change? Drink, yes. Drink gin made from peas. All right. No, no, made from pee, right? Pee. Like, that's why I've been storing up gallon jugs of my own urine. I mean... I was doing that anyway, but if we have to make gin from it, so be it. I'm sorry, I need a cricket sound effect. I've been um, making, I've been storing up gallon barrels of Chris's urine in my closet for. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, well, uh, we all presumably want to do what's best for the environment, whether it's recycling, avoiding food waste, driving more fuel-efficient cars, or anything else that we've been told will help. But what if we could do our part just by the way we order cocktails? A new study published in the journal uh, Environmental International outlines a novel way to help reduce carbon dioxide and nitrous oxide emissions. Drink gin made from pea starch instead of the traditional wheat. (laughs) Sure. Okay, so I have a problem with this. It means I'm going to have to eat fewer peas, doesn't it? Because... Oh, I love peas. I love peas. So it should be said that uh, the boy, Emmett, he had uh, peas at school for the first time and we changed a bomb of a diaper <laughs> it smelled so bad which really furthers my point that peas are awful peas are no amazing. they're 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 great they go with potatoes oh, I can't, I, good a like, good shepherd's pie oh my god yes i want shepherd's pie right now so do i i'm gonna die I already feel sick anyway. So if you're and wondering, we, we've had many a great uh, family holiday where um, me and... Uh, my brother, two, my, my two brother-in-laws. We, we started Googling because we found out that Brittany doesn't like peas. She has like a nauseating aversion. No, to no. Them. It's not just me and my family. It's my me, my mom, my sister, and my nephew. <laughs> and we started uh, finding like... All the like most like disgusting pea, pea, pea cake pea, and pea cookies and pea, pea jello <laughs> pea loaf pea loaf is a thing um, kind of like meatloaf only with peas it's disgusting uh, pea cupcakes All right. that was one of the ones I found sure okay mean, really I'm down let's do it <sighs> well anywho regarding the gin. <laughs> 
Uh, says this might be an easy way to increase efforts against climate change in the countries doing the least to protect the environment. <laughs> Look, you got to give us low goals. Yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, the study called Just the Tonic Legume Biorefining bio for Alcohol has the potential to reduce Europe's protein deficient or deficit and mitigate climate change. I like that they pinpoint Europe. Um, found that pea starch gin had a smaller environmental footprint than the conventional kind in 12 categories. This was due in part to the fact that growing wheat requires the use of nitrogen fertilizers, which, while legumes like peas, can source nitrogen directly from the atmosphere. See, this is what we were talking about in the last story, where beef jerky uh, (laughs) uh, uh, can rings exactly probably going to increase the methane, which is... And nitrogen could be beneficial? (laughs) Question mark. Uh, So using byproducts of pea starch gin production as animal feed would reduce the environmental impact even further by reducing the need to import soybeans associated with deforestation in Latin America. See, Brittany, peas are amazing and look at all the good they could be doing. Exactly. Right. They could do all that while I don't have to eat them. (laughs) But... But I want to eat them. You guys go ahead. Uh, I can do like sugar snap peas or like edamame. But when it comes to like an actual like cooked pea, no, I want to die. Anyway, uh, it's, it's not possible to rank things you can do to help to protect the environment based on impact. But there's a short list of relatively easy ways to shrink your carbon footprint, uh, which this article links. Gin was the focus of the study, not only because it's one of the most popular spirits worldwide, but also because researchers or research for the paper was conducted in association with Scotland's Ar- Arbicky. Is that how you say that? Sure. Distillery. Arbikey. That's probably correct. Arbikey, um, man. Arbikey. <laughs> uh, which is already experimenting with producing gin from pea starch as well as producing the byproducts to feed farm animals. Gin lovers shouldn't worry about their gin and tonics tasting like vegetables, though. David Stiles of Bangor University in Wales told Fast Company that the distillery thinks the gin will taste exactly the same as the more familiar kind after it's uh, double distilled and flavored with the usual botanicals. I guess gin does have that that kind of going for it because it's like, well, it's not just, you know, it's juniper. natural botanicals. Yeah. And now I'm just picturing a shampoo commercial. <laughs> it's just all herbal essences. <laughs> Garnier Fructis. Oh, yeah. Garnier anymore. Um, But yeah, so it says if legumes were widely adopted for use in alcoholic beverages, global greenhouse gas emissions could be reduced by 439 million metric tons. A significant yeah. amount. Yeah, that, yeah is, that, sounds, that sounds significant. Yeah, slightly bananas. Um, this could have a particularly dramatic impact in the countries that are increasing CO2 emissions the fastest, which, of course, they also have a link to. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's like, really neat. I, I guess if it would taste the same, then hooray, you know? I mean, we, I'm not a, a very gym person environmental anyway. at the end here. Yeah, we did, unintentionally. But it, it works it out. Swung that way. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't, well, I was going to say we don't cover those stories too often, but, yeah, I think we, we kind of balance out sometimes. Um, well... On that note, um, a less crazy note than usual, <laughs> I think, uh, from the last few weeks. But what are we going to do with all those jars of uh, Chris's urine that me and him have? Oh. It's, it 
it's a problem. I mean, it's piled up over here in the corner. Could be a health hazard. I shouldn't say words. Uh, we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And we will see you again next weekend. Once again, I am Brittany Lee Wilker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> I wouldn't get